In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, look at you guys, you Christians. Christians have always been a little different than the rest of the world, it's true. We're not normal by worldly standards. We don't live by worldly ways, at least we're not supposed to. And because of that, we're always going to be a little different. And because of that, to some measure, to some degree, the world is always going to disdain us. And we shouldn't be surprised. Today we're taking a break from our Growing Closer Family Sermon series to reflect on this festival day, Pentecost. And we should. Because Pentecost is like Christmas. It's God coming down to us through the Holy Spirit Pentecost was an event that took place 50 days after Easter, about 2,000 years ago. It was prophesied about in Joel. It was an event that Moses only dreamed he would see one day. And it was an event that Jesus himself promised would happen. Jesus himself, the Christ, who is anointed with the Holy Spirit. And now that same Holy Spirit comes to us like living water, bringing us together into one faith, one Lord, and one baptism. And now the Holy Spirit reaches out. And there is no human heart beyond the Spirit's reach. You should know that. There's no one too far gone to receive forgiveness. And yet, there is one obstacle in the way. There's one barrier to the Holy Spirit It's the hearts of men and women in these last days that have grown cold and hard. It's the hearts of men and women that don't need forgiveness. It's the hearts of men and women that reject the truth. You know, we're going to look at Pentecost. We're going to look at it from the big picture, the before, what was happening during, and then the explosion of the church after here. And I really want to focus on something very interesting that happens with the disciples. Something very interesting that happens to them before and after Pentecost. And I'm not talking about how the Spirit came and all of a sudden they could speak in all these different languages to make sure the Word of God was heard clearly and understood. Although it would be fun to do a sermon on the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm not talking about that thing that came and dispersed and appeared like flames over their heads. But it would be fun to do a sermon on fire. No, I'm talking about something even better. Something else that happened that day. You see, these disciples were living boldly in their faith. They were boldly proclaiming the message of Jesus Christ crucified in a very difficult historical context with a lot of persecution that we, frankly, don't know much about. But let's not forget something. Yeah, they're speaking boldly. But let's not forget that it wasn't that long ago that these very same men were hiding in a room that was locked. It wasn't that long ago that they were afraid for their lives. It wasn't that long ago that fear had seized them and all hope seemed lost. Yeah, when you look at that and then how bold they've become, something changed. The disciples of Jesus are a little different now. 
So what makes the difference? That's the question for today. What makes the difference? How does a group of people go from completely afraid for their lives to not being afraid to die at all? How does someone change that drastically or that quickly? Well, maybe it was new information. Information does matter. Information can make a difference. Maybe the cause of their change was due to the fact that they had finally seen the risen, resurrected Lord. It was new information to them. They were in that room after all when Jesus appeared out of nowhere and said, peace. And they saw him, the resurrected Jesus. That should change everything. It's new information they didn't know. And yet, where does Jesus find them a week later after he had revealed himself to them? Think about it. They were, Jesus came a week later and found them again in a room. Again, behind closed doors that were locked. You know, it's interesting. Jesus tells a story in Luke chapter 16 about a rich man and Lazarus. And I'm going to summarize it for you real quick here. So Jesus is telling this story. He says, there's a rich man, there's Lazarus, they both die. Lazarus gets carried up to to the side of Abraham and the rich man. Well, he dies and gets buried and now he's being tormented in Hades. And there's this chasm between the two that's uncrossable. And Jesus is telling the story and he says, the rich man yells, there's dialogue that happens before this, but there's a point where the rich man yells across the the chasm and says, Abraham, hey, send Lazarus back because I have five brothers Send him back to tell them about this situation so that they don't have to go through what I'm going through. And Abraham responds. He yells back across the chasm and he says, they have the word. They have Moses' writings and they have the prophets. And the rich man responds back and he's like, yeah, but, but if somebody comes back from the dead, if someone rises from the dead, then they will repent. And turn back to the Lord their God. Now remember, Jesus is telling the story. And he says, and Abraham responds back and says, no, if they have not heard the word of Moses and the prophets, then they will not be convinced even if someone were to rise from the dead. Wow. Wow. That goes against my logic and reasoning because to me, gaining new information makes all the difference, I thought. I think sometimes we think, just a little bit more, God. Give me just a little more information and then I will believe. Give me something else so that I can finally understand all this and I know it's real. Give me some scientific or some sort of confirmation and then I will change my life. It goes against our logic and reasoning. It's not the practicality of information that changes the disciples. It's something else. There's something supernatural here. And the lesson of the story of Jesus in Luke 16 is basically this. If you reject the word, if you reject the Holy Spirit with your heart, then there will never be, there will never be any new information. There's no amount of new information that will ever be enough for you. No amount of new archaeological dig findings. No amount of outside resources that do point to the historicity of Scripture. No amount of trips to Israel to see it all for yourself. No, it's not just new information that gave the disciples the boldness to do what they were doing. There was something else happening. There was something else that took place in their hearts. 
they have the Holy Spirit now. That changes everything. Yeah, they're a little different now. It's what the Holy Spirit, well, it did something to them. It's what the Spirit did to them. You see, the apostles, they were not afraid to die at all. And it wasn't because they had new information to help them with their logic and reasoning. No, the disciples were not afraid to die because they had already died. That's what the Spirit does. The disciples had already died and they were risen with Christ. They had nothing left to lose and everything to gain. The Spirit crucified them with Christ. And they had the spirit of the resurrection in them. They were for the first time truly alive. They had the spirit of the resurrection in them and we do too. We're a little different too. I always knew you St. Lawrence people were a little different. You know, when I found out I was coming to Frankenmuth, the first thing I did was look at your website And there's a neat little logo on there of the Spirit. It's a little different. You guys are followers of Jesus Christ. You have the Spirit in you. And you're different than the rest of the world because you have the Spirit. It's not because we're a bunch of geniuses and figured something out. Look at us. It's because we have... The Spirit in us. We were baptized into this. Look at the book of Acts. Look how it talks about baptism in the Spirit. And I'll give you two examples. Okay, you have eunuch, or the Ethiopian eunuch. And he, he's taught about the Isaiah scroll. He learns these facts and information, but that's not enough. He has to go into the river and get baptized. Look at Saul. We know him more as Paul. It's the same guy. But check this out. It's not enough for him to have met Jesus Christ, the risen Lord on the road who blinded him. It wasn't enough. He had to go three days later and meet a guy named Ananias who would do what? Baptize him. And he received, it says this, he received the Holy Spirit. And as soon as he received the Holy Spirit, immediately following that, you know what he does? He goes to the synagogues and immediately starts proclaiming Jesus Christ crucified. Paul was a little different now. You know, it's the same Paul who in Galatians, he says this, he writes this in his letter. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. There's nothing Paul did, nothing that Paul discovered. No, the Spirit did it all. It was the Holy Spirit that makes the difference, that plants faith in our hearts. It changes things. Paul was a Christian now. A Christian. The word Christian is really interesting. If you really, really dig at the roots of this word, it's used three times in the New Testament, and the first time it's used to describe these people. There was no word to describe them. Where did these people come from? They just appeared out of nowhere and they start, they start following this Christ guy and these teachings about a resurrection and people didn't know what to call them. So they said, you, you, uh, you, you Christians? And obviously that name refers back to Christ. Jesus Christ. 
Christ is not his last name, by the way. Let's get that out there. Christ is a title. It mean, it's the same as Messiah. They mean the same thing. It means the anointed one or the one who is anointed. And Jesus Christ was anointed. He fulfilled all anointings at his baptism when he was anointed with the Holy Spirit. And now that same baptism and that same anointing comes to us. We are Christians. In other words, they didn't even know it when they called them Christians in Antioch. This is what they were saying. They said, you, you people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, anointed with the Spirit, that's what it means. We're Christians. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it is Pentecost today, so I feel like I should talk about the Holy Spirit at least a little bit. Let me say this about him. The Holy Spirit does whatever he wants. Jesus describes him this way. He says, the Spirit's like the wind. We don't know where he, you don't know where he comes from. You don't know where he's going. You can't put the Spirit in a box. Don't try to define him or limit the Spirit to your particular ways of manipulation and understanding spirits. Don't do that. He's God. But we do know one thing for sure about the Holy Spirit. This is it. The one thing we do know for sure about the Holy Spirit. We know exactly what he wants. The Holy Spirit wants to crucify you with Christ. He wants to crucify your old selves and raise up the new creature, the new life. He wants to make you different than you were before. The Christian life begins by being taken to the cross and returning to the God who made us. That's what repentance is. And so why get taken to the cross and repent? So that we might know the limitless forgiveness of God over and over. Sounds nice, doesn't it? But if you're like me, and I guess, I'm guessing most of you are, most of you were probably baptized as infants, and most of you probably grew up in the church, and you might ask yourself this question like I have. If I have this spirit, why aren't I more like Christ? Why, if I have this spirit, why do I keep falling into sin? I say I follow Christ. I can answer most catechism questions. I'd have to review some of those tricky ones. I know my Bible a bit, but my life does not reflect Jesus Christ very well. I don't reflect Christ all the time in my attitude. I don't reflect Christ all the time in my decisions and my selfishness. I don't reflect Christ all the time in my condescending tone when I talk to my own family and peers and coworkers. And I definitely don't. I definitely don't reflect Christ in my fear when I'm afraid to live out my faith in this world. I'm a hypocrite. And my guess is that you are too. I thought we had the spirit, Vicar. You do. And if someone from the outside, yeah, someone from the outside world looks at us Christians, and says, you're just a bunch of hypocrites. You know what we say? We say, yeah. We are. And we have room for one more. You see, the Christian life doesn't just begin at the cross. We don't just leave it from there. 
No, the cross is the beginning, it's the middle, and it's the end of our lives. The cross itself is the Christian journey. We never leave it. We remain there. As a Christian, you will never fully understand who you are. As a Christian, you will never fully understand your identity apart from the cross of Jesus Christ. And in this very moment, in this present moment right now as you sit there, the new person of your future glory has reached back and created life right now through Jesus Christ. It's broken into your life right now in the present. And yet we still feel the effects of our old sinful self holding on to us with a death grip. We still feel those temptations. It's a tension that we live in. So whatever your worldly struggle is today, whatever worldly identity that they have put on you today, or whatever worldly identity you've put on yourself and convinced of yourself that you've been in bondage to, Leave it behind. Whoever you thought you were, leave it behind. And go to the cross daily to find out who you really are. A Christian. A sinner who is forgiven again and again and again. A Christian, one who has already died a Christian, one who is now alive forever in the spirit. So live, you messy saints. Live boldly in Christ. And yeah, the spirit will continue to work on you to the end to make you look more like Jesus. He's going to continue to work on you to the end so until you take on that cruciform shape. He's going to keep chiseling away at you to the end till you take on that form of the cross and resemble Jesus himself as servant to everybody you encounter. He's going to keep working on you until you take that shape of the cross and love each other endlessly. Love each other. Love each other. You have this spirit. He's going to keep working on you until you resemble the cross and you fear nothing. Even in the presence of this world, even in the presence of those who ridicule us, your enemies. Yes, the Spirit will continue to work on you until you resemble the body of Christ. Because that's who you are now. You have the Spirit. So go live out your faith. Stop being afraid. Thanks be to God, you have been crucified with Christ. Thanks be to God, you're a little different now. In the name of Jesus, amen.